Today on What Chaos, Stanley Cup champion and stand-up comedian Scott Darling joins the show. Patrick Kane is now a Detroit Red Wing. The All-Star Game is going to do what? Once again, what the hell is happening with the Chicago Blackhawks? And a review of Hallmark Hockey Rom-Com, checking it twice. Chaos! Oh, what a day. What a day. What a show. Welcome to What Chaos. David Bean, Pete Blackburn, all sorts of madness happening in the hockey world. We have Scott Darling on the show today, Stanley Cup champion and comedian, funny man, great fella. We talk about goaltending, life, being sad, everything. Oh, yeah. That was a good interview. Uh, It seems like it was a while ago at this point, but... Uh, this is the final piece of our Chicago trip. No, uh, it's not. It's not. Uh, no, well, it is. It is for interviews. No, no, no. Did I black out? Five or more interviews. <laughs> I was gonna say. Uh, somebody made the joke yesterday that uh, whoever set up our scheduling is the person that was also in charge of booking the Winter Classics because it's just been all Bruins and Chicago Blackhawks. We're an original six podcast. That's true. We're gonna branch out and start to do the other teams at some point later. So let's start. In the original six, where Patrick Kane has agreed to join the Red Wings on a one-year, $2.75 million contract. He is 35 years old? Yes. He's got changes yeah, in that just, boy. Just turned 35. Uh, if if you're still wearing 88 these days and you're not clearly a youngish person like David Pasternak, it's, you, you date yourself too easily. It's like uh, when in the NFL, when they had their number regulations mm-hmm. before where it's like if you play this position you have to wear a number that's between this and this mm. in the nhl if you're this old you have to wear a number that's this way this old this old this old blah 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 uh it, speaking of numbers daniel sprong holds uh patrick kane's number in detroit and boy that guy just lucked into a a, a windfall so we are discussing this and check out our frank vetrano interview if you want a little behind the scenes on what it's like to sell a number to a player, but call me old fashioned. I don't think that Patrick Kane is an automatic. I have to have this number when I go to a new team thing. Uh, I mean, it depends the team. Like if it was the Bruins, yeah, sure. It, if it's Patrick Kane versus Daniel Sprong, no disrespect to Daniel Sprong, but he's given up that number real quick. Can't you temper expectations though by being like, "Hey, I'm coming in. I'm on a one-year, two point seven five million dollar deal." With the Red Wings, not not to besmirch the Red Wings, but there was talk of, is he going to get a multi-year deal? What kind of term is he going to get? Mm-hmm. He goes to a, I'll say, competing team that has designs on being a contending team and gets a one-year deal, not for huge money. I understand that people are tied up against the cap this year. I think that tempers expectations to begin with. If he went in and was like, you know what? Give me 51 or something. I think that it, it tempers expectations and keeps it prevents the Rangers thing from happening again, where he was good, not great with them down the stretch. I think that if you're the Detroit Red Wings and you just signed Patrick Kane coming off a coming off a hip resurfacing injury and you're very uncertain of of what of what you're going to get from a 35 year old Patrick Kane. You want him to feel like Patrick Kane as much as possible. So you want that number 88 hanging in his locker. Well, then he's got to do the mullet and everything. I 
Can you have a mullet if you're, I mean, no disrespect to Patrick Kane, but he's been thin up there for a while. Oh, I thought you said like when you're old. And I was going to say like the early 90s was a treasure trove of aging rockers. I'm just questioning whether he can even pull off the mullet at this point in his life. I understand. Like everybody who can't afford, maybe like maybe people just enjoy the aging process. But if I had like that kind of dough, and like I don't have that kind of dough, but once I really need it, I'm getting the hair transplants. Yeah, I mean, I famously don't make 2.75 million dollars, and I've sunk some money into making sure I keep my hair mm. uh, with our friend Dr. Robert Leonard. Yeah, Dr. Leonard Matthew Lepresti. Yeah, that's right. So gosh, free ads, but I still have my hair, so I I think it maybe works. I had a consultation with them. You know what they said? They said your hair is too good. They said you're too good. Yeah. So what are you worried about, crybaby? <laughs> they bullied me they yeah, called me a crybaby what's the uh the word for like somebody who uh hypochondriac yeah that's the one you're a hair hypochondriac you're i hair yeah i remember the day that i learned uh the word hypochondriac in school my mom was coming down with the cold and we were at like a family oh. dinner like out at a restaurant and she was like oh i think i'm getting sick and i was like i learned a word for this uh <laughs> you're a hypochondriac oh, and everybody man. was like what? that's gonna be a real test of parenting when your young child excitedly decides to is like you know what your problem is <laughs> you fucking Mom, you're liar a hypochondriac. <laughs> yeah. that's your problem um, did i tell you about the time i met bobby Orr? uh no i don't think so i was he came to my hockey practice we were taking uh pictures and my coach was like you uh dj you're taking uh, you're standing next to the greatest hockey player who ever lived. And the night before, my dad and I had watched a documentary on Maurice the Rocket Richard. And I was all jazzed up on Maurice Richard. And I had it in my, like, eight-year-old stupid brain that because they there was, like, so much Canadians propaganda in this thing that, like, this was the greatest. That was the greatest hockey player of all time. So I was like, oh, man, Rocket Richard was the best hockey player of all time. <laughs> that rocks. And Bobby Orr was like, hell yeah, he is, <laughs> that man. <rules. laughs> That's amazing. Yeah. Uh, the conversation that we had a couple weeks ago about Patrick Kane was just like, do we care? Do we care where he signs? And now that he has signed, I want to ask the same question. Do you care that he signed with the Detroit Red Wings? Uh, yes, but not for the Patrick Kane of it all. I care about it for the Red Wings of it all, that I think they are lowercase g going for it. They could use a right wing. Their right wings are basically high draft picks who are okay players. I don't think that he comes in necessarily having to be their first line right wing, but as is currently constituted, you probably put him on the second line with Debrinket, and that's a strong second line if he's okay right i don't know that he's big question anything better than okay but it at least tells me that they're trying and they're going for it this year the biggest question is what's he going to be he had 57 points in 73 games between chicago and the rangers last year 21 goals but he's a couple of years removed from like having i think uh he's, he's 21 22 he was really good. He had 92 points in 78 games. So he's not far removed from being a really good player. He yeah. is on the other side of a hip surgery from being right. a good player. Yeah, and, and, seen, and that rarely, there's rare comebacks from that. Honestly, well, I think of the best example of it is a goalie, Tim Thomas. Mm-hmm. And the... Was that the same same sort of uh, injury, like the hip resurfacing? No, I'd never heard the term hip resurfacing until Patrick Kane came along. Uh, I'm probably going to hear I believe it in like that a Nicholas Backstrom had it. 
uh, and he it just like didn't work for him, and he's just like is essentially retired. Yeah, I think so. But um, so, but my answer is I like that the Red Wings in a division that had a very strong starter in the Bruins, but the Bruins are no great shakes right now. The Red mm -hmm. Wings went up against them, beat them recently. Lightning haven't been amazing. Leafs, though galvanized, have been up and down. I think that the Red Wings look at where they are and they say, like, yeah, like, let's, again, like, let's lowercase g, go for it. I think that it's more interesting with him going to the Red Wings than any other of the options that were on the table. Like, even Buffalo. Buffalo would be interesting from a narrative standpoint, but I think from a pure hockey perspective, Kane ending up in Detroit. No free ads. Huh? No free ads. Pure hockey. Oh, true. Um, I think uh, Kane ending up in Detroit is interesting because... They're a team that could like actually use him and it's not just like a spare part being added to the mix. Yeah, yeah. Like, I mean, um, let me look at their lines here. Like, like they, could, I think they, they like, definitely need help on the right side, which yeah. is why I was like, that makes a lot of sense. I also had to double check, like, is Lucas Raymond supposed to be a right wing? Is he a yeah, left wing? So. Like, all right. So Raymond, I think, is fine on the Larkin line. And then from there... Again, like I feel like it's uh, sorry, I lost that page with uh, Red Wings lines, but from there, they could use like th their damage is being done on the left side on their second line with DeBrinkit and Fabry, Rasmussen, Daniel Sprong, who is now more a number salesman. <laughs> I think that Patrick Kane can come in and be the second line center on the comfort line, which or second, second line, line right wing. Say, wow, that would be a real line. switch up. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it's it's not I don't think it like moves the needle a whole lot in terms of like making them a much better team, especially not knowing what we're going to get from them. But from like an intrigue standpoint, I like it. I like it. I think he's going to look good in that uniform. I'm going to be uh, an already interesting team has become marginally more interesting. So uh, also worth pointing out the first game that he can play in yeah. Thursday night against the Chicago Blackhawks. I would be surprised if he played Thursday night against the Blackhawks, but boy, what what a debut that would be. How has Cop been with them? I think Andrew Cop. Yeah, not amazing. Not amazing, but I don't think he was ever an amazing player. <laughs> like, right. He but went I, to the Rangers and like they were he was exactly what they needed. And I think that he parlayed that into a pretty nice decent little contract. Deal. Yeah. Hometown team. Yeah. But like He's if a good he, role player. If he can be like a better than average third line center, which I don't really know at this point, given the season that he's had, like they can keep compiling wings and they don't have a ton of cap space. They don't have their own first round pick. They do have the Bruins first round pick. They have their second. They have their third. I feel like they can be, like I said, competitive, but also contendery if they want. It's very low risk for Detroit. Like, it's very, very low risk. It's a one-year deal. It's 2.75 million, which is more than I expected him to get. But for, like, a team that has financial flexibility, who gives a shit? Right. Um, and if it doesn't work out, then he just goes away and they bury him or whatever. Not, not physically. I don't think he's in that much of a danger. He's not that old. They don't need to, you know, bury him in the ground. But... Mm -hmm. Uh, they, you know, they, they don't need to kill him. Is what yeah, you're saying? they don't need, or like he's not at risk of dying of natural causes at this point. Okay, so uh, I saw I, this movie Saltburn. <laughs> don't ruin anything. I haven't seen it yet. Uh, but 
Yeah, I think that I think this is a good good landing spot. Uh, meanwhile, uh, Dean Evason has landed on uh, not being the coach of the Minnesota Wild anymore, right. which well. is sadly the most exciting thing that has happened this year to the Minnesota Wild. Yeah. We have talked on and off podcasts for years about how. We would love to be interested in the Minnesota Wild, but it just never clicks, and they never seem too fascinating. Even yesterday, we were talking about how they'd lost seven in a row. We weren't talking about it on this podcast. We only talk about interesting things on this <laughs> podcast. But we were talking about, like, they've lost seven in a row and still couldn't super-duper get up for the conversation. Knew that this was probably coming at some point. It does come, and uh, John Hines takes over, and now... The wild are left to try to have some sort of spark. Yeah, the only way that we can be convinced to talk about the Minnesota Wild is when we're tricked into it once a week by the PHNX people yeah. who, for some reason, like the Coyotes podcast, just always wants to talk about the Wild. Yeah, Petey's and, from Minnesota. He's okay, gotta, makes, he's gotta get his I do like Petey. I'll tell you what, he makes, I like he, both he of them, makes an impression on I like me. All I like all three of them. I only like Petey. Okay. Uh, he, no, I like all three of them. But yeah, Petey really makes a, makes the impression on me. Hell he, yeah. I mean, you guys seem like cut from the same cloth. Tickles my fancy. But yeah. uh, he's a he had the, the Everson fire not entirely surprising given the skid that they're in. I also think it's another situation quite like Jay Woodcroft where maybe he didn't deserve to get fired yeah. and it's uh, you look at the goaltending hmm. also not good in Minnesota 878. I don't uh, understand percentage. why you're saying that it's like that's like the Woodcroft thing. Oh yeah. There wasn't good goaltending and no. Their goaltending was so good that they the, the Oilers was like they were like yo it's, you guys are so good what do you guys have to like get you, out of yeah, here has to leave and go play <laughs> in a whole nother doing? league <laughs> uh yeah so it, i mean feel bad for dean evison a little bit kind of had to fall on the sword especially like bill Guerin came out less than a week ago and said dean evison doing a good job yeah uh, i think the direct quote is he can't go out and play for the guys he can't have them execute. They have to do that themselves. So you got to fire him for that. If he, <laughs> right, if he can't go out later. and play for the guys, we're going to find someone who will. <laughs> right. uh, yeah, so player coach John Hines coming I, in. I feel bad for him because there was a pretty strong show of support for Dean Evason, the person. Yeah, and I've seen I like a lot that, of stories coming out. I like that we sort of live in that world or hopefully can live in that world now. Like I have less of a sense of humor about like dunking on people when they're fired unless they really sucked and it has to end like when the chargers move on from brandon staley i'm sure i will participate in the jokes as much as everybody else and i do tweet doc rivers pictures every time a team needs a coach but i like that in this case he gets fired it's a team that doesn't usually have a lot of buzz and most of the stuff i saw about him like i saw a gay employee who was like hey what like when i came out he pulled me aside and was like you let me know the right. first If second, anybody fucks with anybody you. Anybody makes you feel uncomfortable, I'm kicking some ass. Yeah. He didn't use those words, but... He also... I believe him, too, because he's the scariest-looking coach in the NHL. Yeah. He is a scary-looking dude. The joke that is constantly made is that he looks like Creed Bratton. I was going to say, the joke made by you. I feel bad, too, that I was like, I personally will not make jokes when someone's fired, forgetting that like we just made a joke yesterday when he was fired. <laughs> I mean, it's a joke about how he looks, not about like him losing his job. And he will latch on. He'll get another job if he wants one very soon. Uh, somebody in the chat said he had five seasons, totally different from from Woodcroft like he, sure he had five seasons but like the Minnesota Wild yeah but we didn't know that because we don't pay attention to that's the Minnesota true Wild. but also like look at the rosters that the Wild have had I, I've never I usually at, don't but yeah I've never been like the Wild underachieved this year mm. it's, it's just you know they've also had a ton of dead cap 
because of the Parise right. and, and Suter. And I think this is the the final year of them having dead cap uh, with those guys. Maybe one year, more year after this. I'm not sure. But I would have done it again, by the way. Would have done in what again? Sign both those guys, those monster contracts again. Like if you like in 2023 or like if you had the chance to do it all over again. I mean, if they were both available right now, I probably would not sign them to those <laughs> contracts. But like, I like that they tried. They went for it. Yeah, like they tried to be interesting for a little while. It um, didn't work, but I like them trying to be interesting. I think I think Dean Evison is a good coach. Um, I think that things are just really going wrong. I don't necessarily blame Bill Guerin for like you got to do something when your team's mm-hmm. in this big of a slide. But uh, yeah, another situation where it seems like he may have had to fall on the sword for a team that just really wasn't up to par. I like him. I'm rooting for him. He's of high character. Uh, Before we get to Darling, which we will in a second, got to say, speaking of character, I would like there to be, and everybody, make sure everyone's okay. Take your time and stuff. I would love an update on the Blackhawks' Corey Perry situation because I had a bad freaking time on Twitter yesterday, seeing a bunch of stuff, and you want to talk about getting off jokes about things that... I don't want to see jokes about if there's real news there. Give us some news. I don't know how you go about it tastefully, but I don't like seeing Connor Bedard having to see his family dragged through the mud and everything like do whatever you can to make that stop. And I understand that we're not helping if I bring it up right now, but I want some sort of, Hey, this isn't true. This is what's happening. Give us something. Yeah. And you know, I get people getting their jokes off. Like back in my younger days, I absolutely would have got my jokes off. And I understand that like, there's a lot of interest in it. It's a big mystery. And the, if you didn't see it on Twitter yesterday, there's a lot of rumors and, and they're salacious, they're juicy. It's plenty of drama, but you know, I hate that in my old age, I'm getting to the point where I'm like, these are these are real people, and oh, yeah. and like the the rumors seemingly baseless right now, um, and it just sucks that like there's an there's an 18 year old kid here at the center of it. His family's being dragged through the mud, like you said, and it's fresh off him going through like the craziest media crush that we've ever seen from an 18 year old kid entering the league, and it. And, just recently seemed like he was maybe transitioning out of that and getting to focus on playing hockey in Chicago. And now he's got to deal with this shit is it's really tough. And then on the other side, like, I don't know what's happening with Corey Perry. We're not getting any answers. Obviously that's what we're asking for at this point, just so that this can stop. But like, he's also got a family. He's that's- old anyway. His career is over. If like stuff like that festers right. and those sort of things. But like, he's also got a family too. Mm. And like this shit is going on. And, and so, uh, you know, I, I just would like for there to be a, a solution at some point. And this is kind of like what we, not a solution, but like an, an answer or like somebody putting out the fire in Chicago. That's and that's what we it. talked to. That's what we talked about yesterday where it's, you know, the, the the divide in the messaging between Perry's camp and the Blackhawks camp is begging for questions, begging for speculation, begging for rumors to be uh, to be opened up. And I think that this is kind of just the position that the team has not welcomed, but opened the door for uh, with the, 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 the divide or the lack of transparency here. And so would love for something to, to happen there to stop all these rumors and it they're they're ugly and it's only getting worse yeah i uh call me lame i like i i can't don't won't like not participating uh in that i said to somebody yesterday i just want the blackhawks to have good vibes for 10 days in a row i know and 
God. Like, even like I've been talking about their win over the Leafs every day since it happened. Like, it was like a news thing. Like, it's like my friend's band that I'm trying to get people to check out. Be like, see, aren't they good? Aren't they going to make yeah. it? Like, I want them and that organization to be okay because I do really like the people that are there right now. Yeah. I uh, call is- me crazy. I'm rooting for Connor Bedard. Like, <laughs> And they've been good to us, so maybe a little biased, but like I also just don't want people to be embarrassed and to have shit thrown their way that they don't deserve. There is also like we don't know what's going on. I'm virtue like, signaling, by the way. <laughs> That's true. You're very woke. Yeah. Um there's something there's obviously something going on. And I think that it's very clear right now that uh if there's anything to to draw a conclusion from, it's like this is disciplinary. Corey Perry was sent home and uh, he's based off the message that he's sending out from his camp. Like he's dealing with some shit, some personal issues, but this seems very clear that it was disciplinary. Um, and if you want to give the Blackhawks credit for anything, like handling it and sending him home is a step in the right direction for a team that hasn't addressed issues or have covered up issues within the team in the past. And obviously people are, are going to kind of be quick to jump down their throats and and because they haven't earned the benefit of the doubt when it comes to stuff like this with how they've handled stuff in the past. So like at least they they're doing something about it. At least they sent them home. Um, it's just, they have also opened up the door for speculation and for rumors like this to kind of fester and linger with the team that currently exists in that locker room i'll just say don't be shitty and i also strongly but like i I don't begrudge somebody for finding humor in whatever they find humor in if it's if it's really dark if it's really like what like i don't have to agree with everything but just like try not to be shitty uh you know what also has to be addressed the fact that i've never had a grape olipop and i don't care if this is room temperature and has just been sitting here forever i am going to even though i really don't like room temperature canned beverages i Sean's, am i think Sean's going about to, to make oh, a thank heroic god, because move. i swear to god i wasn't going to open it i was going to fake drinking it <laughs> oh, okay. because i i'm not doing room temperature stuff uh, this is uh, Sean's first on camera appearance oh baby Sean, get in, get in there, there tap in uh, subscribe to the YouTube to see Sean's beautiful face if you're not already. So. Sean, are we allowed to say that Sean has a nice face? Sean does have a nice face. Sean has a, it's not I'll objectify the hell out of Sean. Yeah. Who's going to tell on. me not to? Really good face. <laughs> uh, I'm going to do an Instagram post at some point, by the way. I'm going to do a one month of chaos post in which I throw up some pictures of things that we've done so far. We and haven't was- revealed that you chunked it. Oh, yeah, yeah. I bought a, I or I have an awesome film camera and uh, I didn't know how to use it or I knew how to take pictures. I didn't know how to get it, the thing from the, the film from where it needs to be and everything. And I messed up one of the steps. And when I looked up after that, I messed up one of the steps. I realized if I hadn't messed up that step, I was going to mess up one of the next 400 steps and it was the worst because i was so devastated we had all these pictures including awesome pictures with connor bedard and stuff yeah fun great pictures and every camera person i told was like it's okay it happens to everyone and i was like i don't care if it happens to everyone i need those pictures (laughs) they were like oh dude you are not alone and i was like I don't care if I'm I know. Alone. I felt really bad. For I you. want to be smart. I felt really bad for you because I know that you felt terrible about it, and you really wanted those pictures. I really, we all wanted those pictures. They, yeah. We had some cool pictures from our Chicago trip, 
But let this be a warning that if you're getting into the film game, the film camera game, do some research on how to uh, unload the Or just the film. never touch the camera unless you're taking a picture. Everything okay. else, give to somebody else, trust somebody else okay. to do it. And that's what I do with so many other things. We're getting a coffee machine in here. I'm getting a plumber to come in here and hook, up, hook it up to the water because if one of us does that, we might mess it up. We'll and flood then, the studio. Then we're not going to have any water for the rest of the time. But uh, we did also take a picture near this big Olipop mural in Chicago. We might have a digital version of that. I have a digital version of it. Look, five grams of sugar? I think not. Let's get in there. Let's tap in. Oh. It's fantastic. I love grape soda. See why it's my favorite flavor now? Uh, yeah. I'm going to find out. It, it doesn't make my face gross? Not yet. Nope. No, Not any more so gross than it normally only is. Only aging. Only aging can Just kidding. You have a nice that. face. That was mean of me. No. I don't, it would be mean if we thought low-key I had a bad face. <laughs> yeah. Like if that was just swirling around the office. Yeah. Like Every time face... you check out, me and Sean are like, oh, he looks real yeah, gross Yeah, the today. other employees here. Rumors <laughs> swirling around the other employees I've, here. I've not, I've not been encumbered by my face. I think that most of us are usually encumbered by our behavior, our actions, our mood, how much sleep we're getting. I feel like I'm talking like Tony P on a podcast, just like about vibrant masculinity. I love that term. I, I, I wish that I wish that Tony P existed when I was a kid. I wish that Tony P and Big Cat and like uh, Heim existed when I were a kid. Tony P and Big Cat, so I could have like a cool like guy making content that I could consume that wouldn't make me an asshole. Heim. So I could just have more dope music to listen to. Yeah. They need a new album soon. I know. Where's the new album? Queens. Anyway, Olipop is the best prebiotic soda on the market. I won't lie. I've been around the old grocer and I've been seeing some other prebiotic sodas. People are saying, sir, why are you cackling? <laughs> sir, why are you saying gross as if and then knocking down an end cap? You've been kicked out of 22,000 stores for <laughs> laughing at the competitors to Olipop. I would, because truly, I, I people have stopped asking. The first couple of weeks of the show, people were like, hey, so is Olipop really that good? Or I, I think that the proof is in the pudding by now. We all genuinely, Sean included, love Olipop. If you're subscribed to the YouTube, you see in us sucking down those Olipops basically every episode. And that's not a... That's not a uh, a requirement no they, they it does not say it does not say cta bold suck down the can <laughs> that's right the call to action look into the camera suck one to your face <laughs> in 10 in five seconds or less see how fast the three of you can take down an olipop no the call to action is go to twenty two thousand grocery stores mm -hmm. right now not even grocery stores walmart ain't a grocery store can be but they got it. Target has it. Whole Foods has it. And drinkolipop.com has it. And you can put in the code CHAOS for 20% off your next Olipop order. Before we jump into Scott Darling, I do just want to talk about him for a second. Yeah. He's an incredible dude. He's a very funny stand-up comedian in Chicago. He's a hometown boy. He's from Chicago. Played for the Blackhawks. Won a Stanley Cup with them. Was the guy... That when, uh, why can't I think of his name? The the okay Stanley Cup winning goaltender for the Blackhawks. All those teams. 
Uh, Corey Crawford? Yeah, that when Corey Crawford was struggling in one of their cup years, people were like, you got to play Darling. And they played didn't, Darling, didn't and Niemi he was awesome. Didn't win a cup for them, too? What's that? Didn't Niemi win a cup for them, too? Uh, I think he won the first one. Yeah. And then Darling came okay, in. Yeah. And, and I'm sorry, and then Crawford yeah. came in. This guy loves Corey Crawford. We were disagree. I disagreed. I was like, he's He was fine, fine yeah. But Darling was good there. He was good in Carolina. As I said, he's a very funny stand-up comedian now, which I respect so much that he tried or that he's doing another, like, put-yourself-out-there career. He's uh, a mental health advocate. We'll gladly talk about how fucked up we all are, which is lovely. He's also been through some shit. Yeah, you know he's his got backstory. a crazy story. Uh, he, if you want to, like, check out his story, he wrote a, a piece for the Players' Tribune. Yeah, a, a while ago, and you main goalie crazy. got dismissed from the team because, as he put it with us, he was trying to be a college student at the same time. Uh, went to the Coyotes where he was drafted, didn't make it in their camp, had to really restart his career, work his way up, uh, lay off the 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 booze, got to the NHL with his hometown team, won a cup with them, and uh, he's just an awesome dude. So here is the great Scott Darling. Joining us is comedian and Stanley Cup champion, Scott Darling. How many people can say that? What's up, Scott? I don't know if anyone can, to be honest. Uh, to be a shitty comedian and a former good hockey player. So I was, yeah. was going to say, don't say, don't do like the, I was a backup thing, so I was shitty thing, because you, you can't do that there because you started too many games. Yeah. I mean, yeah, but I was, I call myself the best backup goalie ever. Like, I just went over to Marion Hosa's game in Slovakia, his retirement game, and he called me. He's like, we're going to bring three goalies over. I was like, that's fine, dude. I was like, you know I'm great at sitting on the bench. <laughs> so I got to go over to Slovakia and sit on the bench and even play in the game. I was like, that's where I thrive. That's you know like the most ideal goaltender, though, especially like backup goaltender. <laughs> a good goalie who is also funny and a comedian. Like, that is ideal because you're on the bench, you got jokes, but when you go in, you can play. Yeah, I mean, I think I found my niche there, you know. You know what's awesome about Marion Hosa is everything. That guy was the fucking best. I've never seen 10 abs before in my life, and the guy doesn't <laughs> even work out. <laughs> we, when we had training camp and I was like a rookie, we were doing like all the testing, and he came in and just laughed. He goes, I don't do fitness testing. I was like, you're the wow. coolest guy I've ever seen in my life. But it, like, yeah, as you said, it didn't fucking matter, and... He when he played, he was like in the perfect player category, like yeah. awesome two way player, just fucking monster offensively. The like Bruins, Pete's a big Bruins fan, so we had to watch in 2013 where like he was missing some of the. I was covering that team, but where he was missing some of the games in the final. And when Marion Hosa was out, it was like if the Bruins don't win this fucking game. It's over because that roster was, I don't know if you're following them, like that roster was so loaded that you add Marion Hosa to that. Well, I'm sorry, but I never lost to the Bruins, so yeah. kudos never? to me. But, uh, but Marion, when he got on the ice, when he came off the bench, if I was actually playing, I just sat down and had a martini. Like <laughs> sitting there, he was like, no one's going to get close to me if Marion's on the ice. As you said, two-way player. Mm -hmm. 
back check, four check, pay check, and he got a lot of pay checks. So he was one of my favorite players to have on the ice. Does it suck when guys are scoring a bunch in front of you because no one cares if you play well? We've talked about this with other goalies mm-hmm. where a 6 nothing shutout, no one fucking talks about the goalie. A 2 nothing shutout, they say, thank God we had that guy. No one cares about goalies, like in general. That's it's not like, true. That's yes, not true it is. at all. Because like, no, they're the first people people, was, people blame when teams, shit goes wrong. Fans well, of I mean, teams with bad that, goalies care about like, goalies. Way to care about it in a bad way, but like... I could have had the last time I played the Bruins, like a 41 shot shutout. We won one nothing. All they cared about was Hosa scored the goal that well, won the Hosa. game. I would that care about cool. that too. Yeah. yeah. Hosa's yeah. the fucking, like, we <laughs> haven't there... gone to the pro shop yet, but I want to buy like five Hosa jerseys <laughs> while I'm here. If there's a Rushmore of just like cool factor players, Hosa's got to be, got to be close to, if not on it. He's just got like yeah. an undeniable cool factor, and like you said, perfect player too. Yeah, I mean, what more could you want? You said two-way player, where it's like his back checks, the the clips of him like lifting sticks and turning the play around. It's like for twenty years he did that, and it was like I was I felt safe when he was on the ice. You know, who else was like on the this fucking guy list there with like and like Sid doesn't count because he's Sid. So when you talk about like guys who can do it all, like obviously McDavid can do everything better than it was Sid can. But like then from that, you still have this like realm of perfect guys. Was it him, Datsuk, Bergeron? I mean, Lidstrom, even though he was a D-man, he, yeah. he kind of, like, stepped up in the play sometimes. But you see, guys, like, you evolved through your career. Like, even Kane, when he started, he, like, early on, he never, like, crossed the red line. He was just cherry-picking out there waiting. But in his later years, he became a two-way player like that who did the work, you know, up and down the ice. And then, you know, Stamkos did the same thing. And, I mean, I mean, there's a lot of guys, like, not Ovi. Ovi just... I don't think he fucking crosses a red line. He just hangs out at the far side of the, the rink. Um, but, I mean, there's a lot of guys. Like, the game evolves for you as you grow up to realize that you have to do the two-way thing. So there's plenty of players who have done that. Who do you think was, like, the most underrated player from when you played? Like, who don't we talk about the way we're talking this way? when we Corey Crawford. That sucks, dude. Don't do that. <laughs> Don't just. He's the most fucking... underrated goalie in history. That's not true. No, it's I, personally Tuka Rask. Nobody gives Tuka Rask his he, fucking credit, especially fucking in Boston, sick, dude. Like, he's nasty. He, he was unbelievable, but he doesn't get the credit he deserves either. But Corey is one of them. Like I think it was the first playoff like round when he let in like two glove side goals, and everyone's like, "Oh, he's a bad glove." Everybody talks about it's his like, glove. Yeah. You know who that rocked for? You. Was that was that when you spelled him? No, that was thirteen. Um, but oh, oh, right, yes, yes, yeah. yes. I got you. But, uh, but yes, I was lucky enough to get that call in in fifteen against Nashville. That's my claim to fame. It's the only cool thing I've ever done in my life. Um, but uh, yeah, he is the most underrated goalie along with Tuka Rask. I think Tuca doesn't even. I mean, people in Boston, half of Boston hates Tuca for some god awful reason. They love Olmark and Sway, yeah. and they're like, "Thank God we have these guys," which you should say, "Thank God we have these guys." But they say it in a like, "Thank God we don't have Tuca anymore," yeah. sort of thing. That's and he's the awful. chillest dude he's, who just happens so to have the best Boston. stats. It's yeah. wild. Uh, I, you brought up him being under. Sorry, you brought up uh, Crawford being underrated you'll like this comparison the only time i met doc emmerich i was at a morning skate in 2013 Mm. and we were talking about how like crawford wasn't that good and somebody brought up like sometimes you don't have to be the best player you have to be the best for the situation and i was like so he's like ringo star 
And Doc Emmerich <laughs> was not minding his own business, eavesdropping, turned around and was like, did you just compare Corey Crawford to Ringo Starr? And I was like, yeah, good. And then he told me about how like, yeah, there kind of is like a, people sleep on this guy and what would they, where would they be without him? I would give the Ringo Starr comparison to Anti-Niemi. Ooh. Because like that team was so good, like a pylon could have won that Stanley <laughs> Cup, like Cup and that. Uh, but no, I... That's how I feel about the abs a couple of years ago. Like Kemper was not that good during that run and it did not, did not matter at all. Wasn't it Grubauer? No, Kemper. Oh, Darcy won. Yeah, you're right. You're Darcy right. won. Yeah. No, he's, he's a great goalie. Like he's so, I'm sorry. I'm a goalie nerd. So mm-hmm. he's so structured and like the way he moves, everything's like calculated. Mm-hmm. And I like goalies like that. Cause I was never like that. I was kind of more reactive, like a Pecorine. He was better than me, but like him i kind of emulated his style but darcy's like a robot and he he had his like slow start and then he found himself and that year he was he was awesome you're still in the hawks family and you do broadcasting stuff in addition to comedy would you qual- could you qualify as being an e-bug or does that are no, they like if you played, fucking played if you've ever been paid to play a hockey game you can't be an e-bug as a guy who's sort of been on both sides does it bother you how uh, how people evaluate goaltending like in the media because i mean i know personally from my end i don't know what the fuck i'm talking about when it comes to goaltending it's so hard to understand i do and yeah okay it's, <laughs> and like i feel like that's a common thing where people in the media will be like I don't know. It's an unexplainable thing. And sometimes it does feel unexplainable. Well, it does bug me because, and I'll say this for you guys, goaltending is the most important spot on the team. Oh, I'll never, I'll never question that. I just don't know how to evaluate it. Well, yeah, because it changes every year. There's new movements like reverse VH and all that shit. And it's like, if the goalie plays bad, you lose. Mm -hmm. Like that's it. It's so it's kind of like being a quarterback or a pitcher it's like you're the most important spot on the team, but no one gives you any credit like, at all. So it's a, a unique job. Like quarterbacks get more credit, have a good game. Like even we're going through with Fields in Chicago. I'm a huge Bears fan. But uh, Badgett played pretty good uh, the other day. So now everyone's like, oh, get rid of Fields. But it's like that's the most important position on the team. Uh, but, yeah, people just don't understand how, like, goaltending works unless you were a goalie. So right. it's hard to hear people talk about. I'm like, you're dumb. Like, I, you know. I, the the only time I feel safe is if it's a wraparound, and because any goalie is furious when they allow a wraparound goal, right? And that's where like they're gonna admit they chunked it. So now we can. But I, but I'm, I, I mean, I'm a Tuka Rask guy, so I'm like the king of don't be fucking mean to the goalie because people were way too mean to him but like wraparounds generally you're okay to criticize right breakaway or shorthanded you're an asshole but wraparounds so when i was playing i told my defenseman i said if it looks like it's gonna be a wraparound i'm on one side of the net your job is to get the other side so like duncan keith was a pro at it like he would just get to the other side of the net and put put a stick next to the post so they couldn't wrap around me. And so, like, if they didn't do that, that's on them. Because mm. as a goalie, you're sliding over, mm-hmm. and it's hard to get to the other side of the net in that quick of time. And so, but I, I just was open, transparent with my defenseman that, like, if you see me and you see the guy going around that, your job is to go to the other post and, like, stop that play from happening. So. How do you feel about shootouts? 
love them. Do you? Yeah. Are you good at them? Hell yeah. Do you, how do you feel yeah, about brother. the... <laughs> I, I'm very curious how goalies feel about this, but like, how do you feel about the Evgeny Kuznetsov type shootouts? I assume, do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah. He takes 45 Four seconds hours. to get to the fucking net. Yeah, your legs are quivering and you're just waiting to... Because goalies can't make the first move. It seems you extremely unfair. For, yeah, <laughs> you need to wait for the players. Panarin had the best one ever, um, his move that he does. Um, but shootouts, like, because I'm, I'm 6'6", but I'm... I have the legs of someone who's seven six. Like Same. I have no torso. I'm like it's right here. Um, so you can't get around me. So I never told him when this was like if you shoot, just shoot like at the hash marks, you'll probably score. But if you try and deke, I just do the splits. Like no way you're getting around me. Um, I think my favorite, my first shootout, Yammer Yager shot on me. And he tried to go five hole, and I saved it. And I was like, "Oh my god, I'm That's in the sick. NHL!" <laughs> I mean, not only are you in the NHL, you stop Yarmir Yager. Exactly, that rocks. Yeah, that he was. was wh- where was he age wise? He must. I have think been, he was like 47. He's playing for the Devils. Devils Yager. Uh, he and maybe 45. It was my first season. It was 2014. So maybe a little bit younger, but yeah, I came here. I was like, "Oh my god, Yarmir Yager!" <laughs> and then he tried to go five hole, and just a little one knee down. So it was like, oh. "That's amazing." Uh, but I, yeah, I think I never lost a shootout with the Hawks. I think I only lost one in my career. It was when I was in Carolina. Um, but yeah, the shootouts like I like, but three on three, fuck that. Really? That's the worst. You set up to fail. Yeah, I mean, you're just kind of set up to fail in a shootout too. I guess you get a little bit more credit when you when you make a big stop in the shootout versus. Yeah, but three, on, three three. on three, it's east-west, it's not yeah. north-south. You know, like when I went and played in Europe and Austria uh, when I was about to retire, I was like getting bored watching these people pass because it's like a wider ice mm-hmm. and like they just pass 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 and i'm just sitting there i literally started yelling just fucking shoot it like as i'm going <laughs> back and forth the whole time it reminded me of three on three three and three is not set up for goalies it's it's great for the players yeah. like bedard is like fucking amazing at three on three he was built for it mm-hmm. he's so, insane yeah uh, uh, you're Sorry, uh, you uh, your stop against Yarmir Yager, like with big like fuck him in the NHL. This is amazing. What was your first like fuck him in the NHL? These guys are nasty. This sucks. Moment. <laughs> oh, let me think. Ah, uh, Stamkos playing the Lightning, and before the game, Corey Crawford told me he's like, "Hey, watch out. Stammer likes to shoot from the hash marks on the left side outside the circle." He's like, "And he'll shoot it from there. No one shoots from there." I was like, Corey, I got it. Like, don't worry about it. And then second period, Stammer shoots it, and it right over my shoulders, like my eighth game in the NHL. And I was like, fuck, I should have listened to Corey because uh, he literally shot it from, like, the worst place you can shoot from. Mm-hmm. He just sniped it bar down on me over my right shoulder. It's like, God, I should have listened to Corey. Yeah, if people don't know, your road to the NHL is incredible. You got a, a, an insane story. American kid drafted to the NHL, go to college at Maine. Uh, after two seasons, drop from the team, go pro. In your Players Tribune thing, you wrote that was a pretty humbling experience, and you really had to kind of start from scratch, work your way up from an independent league in Louisiana to then get to the NHL after all that. Just what was that journey? Yeah, it was, uh, you know, when you get drafted, you're, I was 17 when I got drafted, so you think the world's in your hand, right? And then I, I commit to University of Maine, and I went to college, and at the time was the best college hockey oh, yeah. like, school in the country. And with the history of the goalies that have been there, you know, like Ben Bishop, you know, Jimmy Howard, everyone before me. 
And I went there and I tried to be a, a hockey player and a college kid. And so I've admitted this. Like, I, I fucked up. I was, like, hungover sometimes for, like, practice or workouts. Because when you're a college hockey player, it's, like, workouts at 6 a.m., practice at 10, class, then another practice, then, like, study hall, all that stuff. You only had, like, six hours a day to, like, sleep. And I, I used those six hours to be a fucking college kid. Like, you know, I admit that that was a bad decision. Um, but when I, after my sophomore year, I didn't get kicked out of school. I, I got the hockey team. They couldn't trust me to be their starting goalie. Now, I, I understand that now as like a grown up. But so I left school and I signed, but I knew I needed to fix what was going on. So I took my time. I went and got like help and therapy for what was going on. But then I had to start from scratch. Like, the Phoenix Coyotes draft me, but they, they're like, you got to figure yourself out. So they didn't sign me. They put me on their team in Las Vegas in the ECHL. Worst place to put a kid who's going through these issues when you're 21. Mm -hmm. I'm living at the Orleans Casino in Las Vegas. Our rink was in the casino. It just went down from there. And then uh, I had nowhere to play because they, they booted me off the team too. And so I went to the Southern Pro League. That's single A. That's I, I compare it all to single A, double A, triple A. Yeah. And uh, so I went to the Louisiana Ice Skaters. And just fucking had a terrible year. And after that year, when I was 20, I was like, I need to fix this. I know that I am capable of being good at hockey. So I went and got help, like I said. And then I started my climb. And all I focused on was hockey. My agent to this day, we're, we're very good friends, but he hated me because every night all I would do is check the box scores of ECHL teams to see if any goalie didn't finish the game. I'd be like, I'm like, hey, his name's Matt Cater. I was like, hey, Matt, call the Reading Royals. I'm like, call the Reading Royals. Their goalie didn't finish the game. He's hurt. So I just started getting call-ups. Like, it might have been for, like, one game and go back down. And then uh, – yeah, I mean, that's just, I just like focused on it, worked on it. And then in four years, I, I made it up, luckily signed with the Blackhawks. How fast do you feel like you grew up in, in like that, that span of time? Because I would imagine things kind of come into clearer picture very quickly. Yeah. yeah, it took about four months, Okay, I'd say, because like you realize, like, I'm a good person. The last name is Darling. I try and live up to it. <laughs> um, but I needed to figure out what I wanted to do with the rest of my life, and I knew I was good at hockey. And I always, I love hockey. So to this day, I'm a fan of hockey. I love the Blackhawks, and I just needed to utilize what assets I had to become what I knew I could be. And uh, it took four years, 19 pro teams, and then got yeah. to the NHL. You, Have you had any conversations with like the league about um, like the player assistance program that they offer now? Because I know it's like a, a it's a good thing that the league helps these guys and not gonna comment on okay, that. okay all right fuck okay. them really, really? Okay. Yeah, well i was well, gonna say like they, i've told players that like from what i went through if you need help do it on your own don't ever go through really the PA. yeah and i'll say that honestly i hope you guys fucking hear this they're monsters go somewhere else wow because they can hold you and like try and like break your contract and like stuff like that. Oh. They're, they're really bad people. So if you're a player listening, go on your own, 
don't ever go through the PA to get help if you have an addiction problem or something like that. Well, shit. I mean, there I you go. Gonna, Breaking news. Yeah, no, I mean, I was <laughs> that something that like you, you yourself. Okay. Yeah. All right. And wow. they are the worst and they will hold you. They like, I've been in prison before, like literally like because they are trying to br- like make you break your contract. Like if you walk really? out the door, then the NHL can break your contract. Wow. So, yeah. like, uh, us coming at this totally ignorant, what do they need to change for players to be able to trust them? Well, you need people who actually want to help the players. Like, because there's been tons of players that have had to go through a program or anything like that. <clears throat> but if you can't trust the people who are trying to help you, why the fuck would you go through there? Like I said, I, I'm not going to talk about the nightmare situation I had on here but i will say if any players listening go by yourself you have insurance go outside don't let anyone know in the nhl that you're doing this you get grace to like leave like uh what bobby ryan just did like a little while ago Mm -hmm. and like but he went outside of the thing don't go through the pa that's breaking news for all you guys because they are terrible people well i mean that's that's heartbreaking do do you think that just the perception and the way that play like your story unequivocally is a good one you lived out your calling you won a stanley cup a for team, your hometown a team got to be better than it would have been if you weren't on it i'm 34 i think you're 34 i can yeah. remember times in my life where that story is more one about somebody who gets ostracized and mm-hmm. like look what they did versus like yeah. look what they got through do you think that it's at least socially getting better I'm not sure. I I mean, I cut ties with that. Uh, I said I had a situation like five years ago, and all, all I can say is do not go through the PA if you want. If you have a problem, an emotional or addiction problem, do not use the PA. But from uh, just from like a society standpoint, do you think that like addiction is being treated with think, a little bit more gentleness? I think it is. Like, you know, in this world that we're living, everyone has, you know, anxiety, depression, you know something going on so it's it's there's more grace for it now because mm-hmm. everyone knows everyone's like going through, i don't like i hardly know you guys but like i have depression anxiety. i'm a very depressed man you can exactly tell, yeah a ball so of anxiety like, yeah. but everyone knows that everyone has shit yeah back in the day it'd be like oh you have anxiety it's like what's wrong with you it's like but now everyone fucking has i think it's due to social media in my opinion but i think it's now it's like there's no What's the word? Um, there's no like stigma. Stigma. Yeah. On it because everyone has and everyone knows everyone has something going right. on. You well, know. fuck yeah. Well, I'll do the TV broadcaster thing and say like it's very good that your story is out there because like people do hear that shit and a lot of times especially for people who are maybe your age like i don't know if you knew as it was happening what was happening right like did did you know like i'm out of control i'm not i'm doing too many things at once i i'm not prioritizing the right stuff or whatever or were you just like fuck like everything is overwhelming no at the time i was like blocking that out of my head i was like i'm a rock star you know, I'm at the biggest college. Like, mm-hmm. being the goalie for Maine at the time was like being the quarterback for USC. You know, it's like – and – but as I grew up – but I'll never forget my dad when I was, like, 18. Uh, he was living in Minnesota. And my girlfriend and I, we went and stayed, at, like, on his, like, lake house. And he told me, one day you're going to have to deal with this. And I was like, what? Because my dad had problems with addiction too. Um, but – and then once I got through what I was doing, I thought about it, and I was like, 
it's crazy to think you need that fix in your life like that something to shut your brain off so you can can't deal with what you i have i have traumatized like childhood and stuff so like i was drinking to not think about what i went through when i was a kid and it's but when you get older you realize like the whole scope of it or it's not like a i'm not embarrassed anymore that's why i can talk about it like i'm okay with it i know what happened and I think nowadays people are more comfortable talking about that stuff. Like mm-hmm. to your point, like where it's like no one's embarrassing. Where it's like you know, you know, I have like sexual trauma and like all this stuff. But now I'm not embarrassed to talk about it because the the way the world is now, everyone is like on the same page. And the goal for any situation is for people to be better right. and to be doing better yeah. and feeling better. Absolutely. If we're interacting and I'm not doing so hot, like it's a better interaction if I'm a little more level or whatever. I call it team transparency. Just be honest and like you'll you'll talk to somebody who maybe had the same thing and like you guys can just talk about it. Like I'm like a sounding board for all my friends because they know that like you can say anything to me. I won't judge you and we'll talk about it. It's fine. No matter what, it's fine. And, and there was a you didn't like kill a kid. Like it's fine. Right. Yeah. There, but there, there was a time where like that got shoved in a corner. Exactly. Like, the interaction's yeah, yeah. not good. I didn't say anything until I was thirty years old. I had like an epiphany when I was thirty, where I was like, I don't care anymore about you know the image of myself. And I can the first time I told my parents about like what happened to me when I was a kid, thirty years old. I was like, I'm a grown up. I'm happy with my life. I gotta let this go. And I can talk about it. Like I'm not embarrassed. There's, you know? there's definitely like a freedom in, in letting that shit go. Like yeah. I, I, for like a lot of my life, I, I, I spent a lot of time avoiding uncomfortable conversations yeah. and like, it's easy in the moment and, but you live with that shit. And then at some point you let it go, you have those difficult conversations and it just makes your life so much fucking better. Yeah. And so like, like the weight off your shoulders when you right. can be honest about all the shit that you've been like concerned about your whole life. Like, it's so healthy. Like, like I've done therapy my whole life. My therapist died, asshole. It's um, oh selfish piece of shit. <laughs> um, but it's like, it's talk, like this just, isn't worth just it. talking about it is like you feel better, and then you realize everyone has shit. It's like, oh, totally. I'm I'm curious. I mean, because you you're now doing comedy stuff, and comedy is also a world in which there is a lot of addiction. There's a lot of like hard living. There's also like a lot of trauma for for these guys who or these women who like find an escape in being funny or sort of like being a defense mechanism, and it like makes them have to be funny. Do you think that's like a natural? You, do you think that that's kind of a reason why you've ended up in that world too? Absolutely. I mean, my jokes that I tell, they're all real stories about my life. Like I talk about my dad drowned a few years ago. So I really make a, Holy make a shit. joke about that. It's one of my best I jokes. saw a bit about that and I was like, <laughs> I'm waiting for him to say I'm kidding and you don't say that you're kidding. No, it's real. Um, but and then my mom had cancer a bunch of times. Like I'm divorced. Uh, my dog bit my ear off. Uh, finally healed back up. Um, so I talk about stuff like that. It's kind of therapeutic, but it's also humanizing yourself. Like people know, cause like no one leaves my show. Even if you don't like my jokes, there's a connection. It's like, it's, everyone's like, Oh, he's a good guy. Do you like writing? Because like, I'm sure that like a lot of people get into comedy. They are the funny one of their friends and they're naturally funny. Like, do you like the, for lack of a better term, work aspect of it, of like constantly having to think? Yeah, I write, I mean, I write anything like that happens during the day. And uh, 
my favorite thing is like to ask my friends or like my girlfriend Lori, like, what do you think about this? I give them a premise and try and build a joke. So I just got done taking writing classes at Second City, and it actually helped me a lot, like structuring joke jokes. So it's like I have a joke about like my dog biting my ear off, and I used to say, you know, Gary's from that's his name. I used to say he's Mormon. He's from Utah. But now when I say he's from Utah, he's Mormon, it actually hits. And, like, I still don't understand that. But the writing class at Second City, like, really helped me, like, structure jokes with, like, tags and, you know, callbacks and stuff like that. Punching shit up. And it's it's really helped my my comedy career. That's all. Have you thought about doing any, like, uh, improv or anything? Not for the sake of doing improv comedy, but just for, like, this... Like, I, I think that everybody at some point in their life should either be an Uber driver or or take improv classes because it does just kind of force this shit out of you and yeah, makes just, you grow these muscles. I just finished acting one at Second City, and Muzzle I'm tough. starting acting two next week. But for it helps, like, when you're bombing on stage, it's, like, the acting aspect. You can act like you're not and, like be happy and your like eyes and your body language of all you know shit's going really bad on stage so acting's been helping um but i think i'm better at improv because i can't memorize i got a lot of shots to the head so i, I can't memorize like a script mm -hmm. you know but i can improvise on anything i can riff on anything so what's worse getting shelled in net and sucking or bombing on stage uh, I'd say bombing on stage because, like, people ask me that. And I, I relate being a comedian to being a goalie. It's like you're by yourself. It's all on you, you know, when you're playing hockey. If you play good, the team wins. If you play bad, the team lose, loses. If you tell your jokes wrong, you bomb. If you tell your jokes right, you win. Like, so it's, it's kind of like a comparable thing. But I knew I was good at hockey. I know that. Um, I don't know if I'm good at comedy. So comedy is way more stressful to do for me. I that sounds like fucking living though. Like, <laughs> oh, it's the rush that it's yeah, like adrenaline up your spine. When I retired, and this is how I got into comedy. I was at Laugh Factory my first date with my now lover to death girlfriend of two years. Um, a comedian noticed me in the lobby, and he's like, "Have you ever tried to do comedy?" And I was like, "No, I would never do that." He's like, "Just try it one time." He's like, "Come with me. Open for me." Went to Indiana. I opened for him, did eight minutes, and I bombed. Was, but that feeling, that rush, Damn. it reminded me of being a goalie. It was a feeling I'm missing since I retired from hockey. And I loved it. Now I'm like 500 shows in. Like, Fuck and yeah. It's only getting more and more. What, do I you love it. Do you think you'll ever know if you're good? Like, do, do you think you'll always doubt? Doesn't sound like a comedian. <laughs> know that's that what I'm saying. Yeah. Like, but I, I, I will probably always doubt. Yeah. Because you have those nights, like last night I did a show, and it was fucking awful. And then I did another show after, and it was great. So it's like there's the tit for tat on that. But in hockey, you know there's a score. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? There's right. statistics. There's, you know, whatever. So you know if you were good that night or whatever. I know I was a good goalie. In 2017, I was the best goalie in the world. So that's in one of my jokes. Um, <laughs> but comedy, there's no... You no know, save percentage in it, comedy. Right, so I was going <laughs> to say, in yeah. comedy, someone can say, that guy sucked. In hockey, someone can say that goalie sucked and then you get to say well you're just blaming the goalie because you don't know what the fuck you're talking yeah, but about also the analytics it's like you know the you know course was like whatever it's like i know that i had you know my first year i had a 934 save percentage with the hawks it's like that's good that's fucking and really I good i know that but in comedy it's like the crowds are so different so i've had nights 
I, I'm lucky I've, I've been able to do, you know, like theater shows now. And one night, same exact jokes, bomb. Next night, same exact jokes, blew the ceiling off. You know, so it's just like a, a weird dynamic, like dichotomy about that. What's and, it like? Comedy's just subjective, too. Uh, like, totally. Yeah. Yeah, and, like, people will say, like, hey, like, maybe don't do this one in front of this crowd or whatever. What's it feel like? And I feel like everybody has, even all you need is a Twitter account to know this feeling. What's it feel like when you know it was funny and it doesn't land? My favorite thing to say is, like, I say, I laugh, I go, fuck you guys, that was hilarious. Yes, exactly. <laughs> that is, don't what I make it my problem yeah. that you guys don't fucking get it. And, well, you're, like, because some of my jokes are, like, divisive, so it's, like, mm-hmm. you need to pay attention the whole time to get some of them. And so I'm, like, in my head, I'm, like, they weren't paying attention to that joke that said, like, two jokes before. And so, but I, I, I'm lucky enough, I tour with uh, Ian Bag, it's one of the... I give him top 10 comic in the world. And I'm like yeah. his opener. And he told me we were doing shows in Nashville uh, not that long ago. And he goes, if you're bombing, just laugh. Like, just laugh. So that the crowd knows you're having fun. And so they're having fun, too. And so instead of, like, you know, like, closing down when, like, you don't hear your laugh or whatever... But I'll be like, I'll just start laughing and be like, fuck you guys. That was hilarious. <laughs> There's nothing more uncomfortable than like a comic closing up on stage when things aren't going well. So yeah. that does make a lot of yeah, sense. Yeah, I did that early on, but now I'm getting pretty smooth. So like now I'll just laugh. And I'll, but that's my go-to phrase if they don't get the joke. Like, fuck you guys. You know, that's why Larry David couldn't do, why he stopped doing stand-up. Because he would yell at the audience. That's like for, like he would, Larry David. He would yell do. at yeah, the yeah. audience for them not getting stuff and be yeah, like, "Why the fuck did you come here? Like, you came for comedy. This last thing I said was really funny, and you fucking uptight idiots." Well, are- I, I earlier on, I, I would say it sucks to be the smartest person in the room, and then like th- that turns them off, you know. Mm-hmm. So now I'm like, "Fuck you guys, that's hilarious." But um, but yeah, that's my li- little new trick that I have now. Who else on the comedy scene do you like really look up to? You're like that guy's or that person is, like, the funniest person in the world. I mean, like, Chris Stefano, Tom Segura, obviously, but Ian Bag, honestly, he is he does all crowd work, which is so impressive. So when we go for a weekend, it's five shows, you know, one Thursday, two Friday, two Saturday. And for me, I'm doing the same routine. Like, I'll maybe switch one joke. But for him, he only does crowd work. So every time I open, like, I introduce him, I go sit, eat chicken wings, and it's a different show every time depending on the reaction from the audience. Yeah. Um, and he'll be up there for, he does 90 minutes and like, he's, he's so impressive. He's definitely my favorite. He's a huge hockey fan. That's why, that's why he picked me. He's from uh, British Columbia. So he heard I was doing comedy. Actually, Luke Gadzik, the, the way this all happened was Luke Gadzik and I were at a wedding in Newfoundland. And the next week, Luke at a fundraiser event in Toronto and Ian was like the, they had like a comedy host and Luke told Ian that I was doing comedy and Ian called me to be his opener. That's how it all worked out. Like it was like a very serendipitous situation and Ian and I, he's the man, like uh, we have five shows here the end of November at Zany's. Um, that's the next time I'm doing it with him but he's like the funniest guy I ever met in my life. And you wouldn't have it any other I, I could just tell from like your energy you probably couldn't retire and then just like 
chill. Like no. you, you, you're, you've chosen. I'm a hustler, man. You right. You've chosen a grinding profession. After in your last profession, you really had to like work your way up, yeah. improve yourself. So like, do you just chase that shit? No, I. I mean, I do, and it's fun because now I'm, I'm like a year and a half in, but. The comedy world's very like petty. There's like a lot of. I still go to open mics to practice new jokes and stuff like that. Um, but the comic community hates me. They hate me because they know I got a jump start into it because I played in the NHL. And I go out and like, can I tell a joke on there? If, yeah. Hell yeah. Right. No, this, this is f- no jokes. Okay. Nothing. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm kind of new to comedy. Uh, I've run on some roadblocks uh, entering comedy because everyone knows, like, I got a, you know, a cheat code, a jump start, and being a comedian because I played for the Blackhawks. And so all the comics hate me. And recently we had a comic softball game. Obviously, I was the best player on the team. But we went to a bar afterwards, and some Blackhawks fans came up to me asking for photos. And I overheard a comedian say, like, fuck Scott Darling, fuck that guy. Fuck him. Not the first time I've overheard a comedian say that behind my back because they're jealous of me. And I know that. But the thing they don't know is I'm jealous of them because they have nothing going on in their lives. (laughs) (laughs) Do you know how hard it is to keep a big house clean? Like, do you know how hard it is to go home to a loving relationship? And I just laugh. I was like, I can't even say this is a straight face. I'm like, my life's fucking sweet. <laughs> but, that rocks. Do you know what premium gas costs these yeah. days? Do you know how hard is to fill up my Rolls Royce? Like, fuck. Have you guys heard of capfriendly.com? Go back and look. <laughs> I can't even be an e-bug at my favorite team's games. Do you know what that burden is? <laughs> That's funny, but they wouldn't know what an e-bug is. Dorks? <laughs> Nerds? Idiots. Well, yeah. dude, you rock. You're in the family now. You got to come back on. We really appreciate you. You're hilarious, and we love your stories. But honestly, anytime. This is actually a lot of fun. This is a great setup. Are you podcasting? Yes. Is it, uh, are we allowed to say that you're podcasting? Yeah, it's going to be called No Pucks Given. It's going to come out soon. We're just, Love and then that. anyone in Chicago, if you want to come, it's Random Axe, A-X. It's a pun on A-C-T-S. Random Axe Comedy. We got 11 shows around the city um, for any open mics. And then there's showcases too. But anyone in Chicago or any bookers listening, I'll fly anywhere. I love doing. Comedy. You're a legend, dude. Yeah, come yeah. play, come play Boston. Yeah, we got a, we have a studio that we could. I did pack. Boston. It'll just be me and Pete. But I did Boston a few months ago. It was the worst. Really? <laughs> yeah. Did they know who you were? No, I didn't. I was gonna say, I'd they, be like, I was on that fucking team. Leave me alone. That no, makes the, me so sad. Boston has like such a reputation, at least like well, years so and years only ago. One time I did it, but okay. um, the host like. <laughs> checked my like net worth during and just like blew up my spot wow. i didn't say because when i'm out of chicago i don't talk about playing hockey i just have like organic jokes about like my life but in illinois obviously i do talk about the blackhawks it's cheap laughs but um yeah the person there it was it was an experience let's put it that way but i'm trying to get a showcase out there because i want to go back in january i'm working on the details of it but if you guys know anyone in boston hell yeah that we Bunch know shit. people, they just don't it's like all, us. Comedy is all word of mouth. That's yeah. all it is. It's like, it's weird how this whole world You're works. friends with a uh, friend of the show, John Feidelberg. People yeah. will be like, will fuck with KFC and Feidelberg because like once you get, it's weird that they're like the 
they're like Instagrams, uh, Johnny Carson, where it's like, if you just get that stamp of like, they had you yeah. on, mm-hmm. they fuck with you guys, then who knows? Then you're doing tours and shit like you gotta that. You got to get fights to do stand-up. I know he does skits, but it'd be funny to see him do stand-up. That he is, I'm going to embarrass him, that he's doing that. And I text him like daily things of affirmation, being like, you are doing so fucking great. He's a good I actor. believe in you. Oh, I yeah, love you. You're great. so good at this. Yeah. Because like this is because the type- he hates himself so much. He's like, I don't yeah. want to hear it. <laughs> but that's what like he and I and Pete are like cut from similar cloths yeah. in that regard. But that's, like, why, that's why him and I get along. <laughs> we always talk about like taking swings and like comedy is the biggest swing that you can take. And and like for him to do that with Sass is like and he's killing it. So I, I'm very proud of him. Yeah. yeah, he he sucks. Uh, Scott, darling, <laughs> you're the best. You're the best. <laughs> We're gonna have you on again. Hopefully, you if you'll join us. Fine, we'll do this again sometime. Oh, yeah, appreciate you, bud. What a guy! What a guy, Scott. Darling. Yeah, he was. Uh, he was lovely to sit down with and. Uh, we're gonna be friends with that guy. Yeah, for sure. I, <laughs> I send him text messages all the time. Yeah. I say, "Hey, man." He says, "Your guys' set is awesome." I say that's the CHGO set. Yeah, we got to give appreciate them, a shout them out. for yeah. giving us that sick set. I like that we have multiple sets at our disposal. Yeah, I also like that our set doesn't look anything like that because like Same. that looks very sick and awesome. And I like that uh, we work for a company that makes sick and awesome sets. And we were like, why would we do that though? <laughs> <laughs> I, I like being a little different. And that I looks like, that looks good though. Why our, would, our vibe here is good. Our vibe here matches kind of what we're trying to do. Our set also isn't done. That's a fun thing that people don't know. Yeah, it, there's it, a big part of the set that is still yet to be installed. Mm. Uh, so keep an eye out and also subscribe on YouTube if you real, haven't done that already. We're near we're gonna, two thousand subscribers on YouTube. Let's hit I that number. Oh, I want to get. I would, all I care about is YouTube subscribers yeah. because that's the only number I can visually see. I could also see the stars, how many uh, five-star reviews we get. Yeah, which so pump those, those. Again, it just helps with... We, we've got more guests that we're booking and that we've already done stuff with, but I've found the, hey, we're going to do a show and it's going to be me, who you might know, and Pete, who you might know, and this is like, it's all this speculative stuff. That got us some guests. I found it's easier to book guests when it's like, sup, fuckers. You know who the hell it is. Check out all these reviews. It's the number whatever podcast on whatever chart. Then people are very friendly to us. So help us out. Um, Have to hit one last news item before we get into the checking it twice review. The all-star game format is changing a little bit this year. Uh, In Toronto this year, there is going to be a third day for all-star weekend. Thursday, we will see the return of the player draft. The player draft that was made famous and a unanimous hit amongst hockey fans just because all the players got drunk and made jokes, and Alex Ovechkin begged for, to be picked last so that he could win a car. Did Alex Ovechkin save the All-Star game, question mark? That's yes. That's a good point, yes. Uh, that is returning this year. Thursday will feature a player draft, uh, and then there will be a ceremony honoring the 1967 Toronto Maple Leafs, who gives a shit. Uh, then there's a three-on-three showcase with the PWHL, and then apparently there's going to be a revamped skills format for the Friday uh, so Friday we'll have a new skills format, but really the big news item here is the return of the player draft. Yeah, uh, I'll admit I, I, I don't I don't want to say fuck this, it's terrible, whatever. I will say that 
I am the target for the NHL trying to make their all-star weekend in festivities more interesting because I'm a massive NHL fan and I am generally uninterested in all of the all-star goings on. I love so, the all-star game. That's crazy. I, I love the all-star game. Maybe it's because of maybe it's because I go every year and like it's it's a party. It's a league-wide party. It's very loose amongst players and I've stuff. I've been still no good. Really? Yeah. I love it, man. It's <laughs> I love it. Um there will be four player slash celebrity captain tandems to pick the four teams. My my big issue with this idea or this the what was announced. It's going to take place at 6 p.m. Eastern on a Thursday, which that's too early. 3 p.m. Pacific. That's Nailed too it. early for uh, shenanigans. We'll see. I, I guess like maybe it's it's five o'clock somewhere when it's six o'clock. So, uh, you know, maybe it will be fun. Maybe it will be uh, hydrated. But the 6 p.m. I think is too early. Yeah. Uh, who do you think, by the way, will be the celebrities? I have a I have an idea of who it should be, and I have an idea of who it will be. This it, should be is like big stars, A listers. It's in Toronto. Like Justin Bieber, Drake should absolutely be the first two names that you hear for celebrity captains. Both both like hockey. Both may be willing to sign up for it. Who Bieber, knows? Bieber, Drake, Tate McRae. Tate McRae and, is a great one. Uh, what's like a fourth massive like? I don't know if it's massive, but I think that it, it makes a lot of sense. Will Arnett. So Will Arnett is on, on my list of like, this is who it will be. Okay, really? Yeah, I think and Will, I, I love think... Will Arnett, but I fucking hate Will Arnett's hockey content <laughs> because I, I hate that they always go to the same well. It's going to be Will Arnett. It's going to be John Hamm. I don't know if he's still on great standing in, in great standing with them, but it's going to be Cuba Gooding Jr. It's going... It's not going to be Cuba Gooding Jr. It hasn't been Cuba right in a minute. Now. It hasn't yeah. been Cuba in a minute. I Especially he... in like a, 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 a uh, an atmosphere where they can't really control him and it's sort of like a... They're encouraging a party Might have worn out his welcome. <laughs> yeah. But uh, boy, did they welcome him because they were like, it's a celebrity who's yeah. willing to do stuff with us. Let's run him into the ground. I don't like, would Retta still be in the mix? Mm, I doubt it. Uh, what about Keenan Thompson? You haven't even mentioned him. He does everything when it comes to hockey. But that was because of an NBC thing, right? So uh, I mean, I I'm sure it helped. There's, there's Mike Myers. Mike Myers could be one. I'm shocked that you haven't said wait her shoot. name yet. Who? Her. Her? Her? Not well. Not no. I guess that's confusing. Not her, the artist, but Tate. We did. Oh say no, her. we did. We did oh, you did say Tate. Yeah, okay. Oh, so Tate. when you said her, you thought I meant the musician. Her. I was thinking of dominant female musicians. I was like, you know, it could be SZA. SZA. Yeah. Oh. SZA. Rihanna. Yeah. Was, Just naming people who have once who won have hockey worn jerseys. hockey jerseys before. Um. <laughs> uh, the woman in the beginning of Happy Gilmore, who he sleeps with, who says, hey, you don't want breakfast? Yeah. That person? Yep. Adam Sandler <laughs> wears a hockey jersey in Happy Gilmore. There's a... We all know that it's going to be like, like fucking Gavin DeGraw is going to no, be it's, like... No, it's going to be John... Like John Hamm is going to be... It's going to be the, the same old well that they've gone back to a million times. And I hate that they've found a way for when I see John Hamm or Will Arnett in something, I'm like, ugh... Just because I know the sort of things that they have them do and they seem more in line with the here's the script than, hey, John Hamm, be yourself, this super funny dude, or same for what about Will Steve Arnett. Carell? 
Steve Carell would be a good one, but Steve Carell, I find, is a very like gracious fan when he's at things. He does like the thing where they'll show him on it's the jumbotron, me. and he'll do like a, he doesn't do this, but he does something with the same energy. He'll do like a like one of these or something, and he's always sitting with his lovely wife, and it seems like he's. Oh, I have the best idea. Who? Charles Barkley. Charles Barkley would be a great one. Charles Barkley would be an incredible. Is the All Star Game on TNT? Is that a TNT production or is it? I don't know. Because if it's a TNT production, then that's, I mean, yeah, that's like that would right be a slam dunk. If it's ESPN, uh, then obviously Somebody in the happen. chat says Glenn Howerton. He's from Waterloo. Waterloo, we're the vampires. We're the vampires. Did you ever see the video where that originated? Uh, no. There was like a man on the street interview type thing. It was, it was like a news thing. They were talking to somebody and, and they were like, and we're here with so-and-so. And the guy was just saying a bunch of nonsense. And he was like, and this is Waterloo, man. Like there's uh, like the vampires are always hanging out. So they're going to, and they base that line. That's amazing. Waterloo. I would like to see like people playing characters like Chance the Rapper as the MSG reporter. Oh, "Oh, yeah. Hockey or like get Shorzy on there. Even that, though, they ran into the ground. They they, I feel like they they ran. Let's do that. Hockey. I think I think hockey fans ran it more into the ground. Where, like, yeah. let's do that hockey just became, like, the easiest joke to make about everything. That, I think that a, a segment of the fan base was very exciting, excited that they got Chance the Rapper to, like, acknowledge their sport. Like, the, yeah. the please like my sport folks. Oh, yeah. I, I think got excited. They were like, this is a very big win for us. And they just didn't totally know how to handle it. Yeah. Uh, one person that could be included in the celebrity guest is Kevin McGarry, star yeah. of Checking It Twice. Oh, <laughs> by the yeah. way, I did confirm it's on ESPN. So Charles uh, okay, Charles out. Barkley is out. Okay, we're good. This is gonna be our first movie <laughs> the review. Celebrity, the celebrity captains are gonna be like Mark Messier, PK Subban, it's yeah, Steve Levy, and John Bouchard. Back from the dead, Chris Chelios. <laughs> <laughs> no, he's a TNT guy now. I said. Back from the Dead? Yeah. Okay. Like, by God, well. that's Chelios' music. Yeah, by God, that's Chris Chelios' music. It's just like, not the most exciting music. <laughs> Checking It Twice is a 2023 hockey and real estate-themed Christmas romantic comedy. It follows New York real estate hotshot Ashley visiting her family for Christmas and struggling minor league hockey player Scott Briggs as their differing life paths bring them to Idaho Falls Idaho. You're probably thinking, well, where could I see this? It's it's actually it's a Hallmark movie, is what it is. It's a Hallmark movie, but it's impossible to find right now. We I I caught it on like the last day that it was available on Fubo TV, and I don't know if you've ever had a Fubo TV experience, but my Fubo TV experience of watching this movie was so strange because you know how it, it seemed like it was like DVR'd. You know how when you DVR something and you go to play it. It'll catch like the oh, yeah. the end of whatever was playing before it. I went to go play this movie on Fubo, and I just caught like the end of some other movie, and, uh. the, and then it played this movie like with with uh, um, commercials and everything, and it just seemed like a very bootleg mm. sort of recording of this movie. It's not available on streaming right now, but it will be playing on Hallmark again on December eighth. So the, uh, when we well, there was a trailer for this that came out forever ago. On, I, I saw someone posted on Twitter. I just said checking it twice into my remote, recorded when it would be okay. on. So I just had it on the old uh, DVR. It premiered October 20th. It's very should, weird time to premiere a Christmas movie. I wish it premiered 100 years ago because I love this movie and I want to watch it every year with my loved ones. Should uh, we play the trailer? Oh, yeah, yeah. We can give you the trailer. 
Now, this is Scott Briggs. He just got traded here from the East Coast Hockey League. You know, we've got some of the best hockey fans in the country. Come on, ref. I could see that high stick from here. What do you think of your new town? Learning that I have to volunteer for an entire week of Christmas activities. Two, three. Hey. Sometimes we don't know what makes us happy until it's standing right in front of us. So, what happens now? Checking it twice, only on Hallmark. It's a great film, and if you're not familiar with these sort of Churnum and Burnham holiday rom-coms that come out every year, uh, they usually jump right into the plot, which this movie does. It opens on two people landing in Idaho Falls, Idaho, on phone calls, breaking up with their significant others, and basically immediately speculating that it sure would be nice to find someone this holiday season. As soon as the realtor gets off the phone... A man with a hockey stick in his hand at the airport is on the phone getting dumped by his significant other. You know that he's a hockey player because he's he has a just hockey walking around in plain clothes with a hockey stick. But Otherwise, they, you would never know. They get right to it. If you think that this movie is going to waste time, you're right. But it's not going to do it at this part. It's not going to do it in the beginning. It's going to waste a ton of time later, but it's not going to do it uh, immediately. There's a meet cute four minutes and 15 seconds into the movie, and it's my favorite meet cute ever. They're at a Hudson News type store, mm -hmm. both checking out side by side, which I've never seen before in my life. Uh, the guy is holding a hockey stick, says to this woman... I just found out I've been traded. She replies, as you saw in the trailer, well, we've got some of the best hockey fans in the country. To Gotta which be he, a lie. To, right. <laughs> to which he replies, that obvious, huh? You're holding a hockey uh, yeah, stick. And, and you just, you just said, said. <laughs> that you, you said to this person, I've been traded. He does like the, oh, God. Am I laying it? Did I, did I somehow give away that I play hockey? It's amazing. And this guy's also like 38 at least. Yeah, for sure. Uh, he, they end up mistakenly swapping their debit cards at that Hudson News. Yeah. And I, I'll tell you, the next 30 minutes of the movie are just them being, struggling mightily to get their debit cards back because everywhere they go, every establishment is like, this is not your debit card. You know what has never once happened to me in my life? Going to an establishment and someone looking at the name on the card and being like, hey, this isn't you. They also make sure that, and here's where maybe time wasting it could come into play. They don't just say, oh, I, I left my debit card. I, I, I put the debit card in the wrong place. They make sure at each turn to say this motherfucking incompetent yeah. dork at the Hudson News fucked up the whole thing <laughs> and it makes they can't just say like oh I don't have my debit card right. they're like sorry the bimbo at the Hudson <laughs> News and like every, they, they, that woman catches a million strays so much so many strays and like not to mention these two people well into their 30s it seems don't have one credit card I also thought that it's the, they only have the one they thing they only have a debit card uh, as I think I said recently Pretty much half the Christmas rom-coms are about tricking your family into thinking you have a significant other at Christmas. This is one of them. Ashley has broken up with her significant other because he stole a business deal from her. And she has gone back home to Idaho Falls, Idaho, and won't just tell her family that she's not bringing somebody with them. So she keeps saying, oh, somebody's coming. Somebody's coming. 
I don't know what she thinks is going to happen. If she feels particularly good about this meet cute that didn't even go that well at the Hudson News thing, but she's lying to her family. It's also so, pretty inappropriate to continuously tell your family that somebody's coming at Christmas. It was that a that was a coming joke. I yeah, uh, nice. It wasn't a good one. <laughs> is the mean, issue? Sean liked it. Yeah, I think he laughed at the fact that you were making a coming joke. <laughs> Probably yeah. I, I'd for sure laugh if it was a, a, a good one. Uh, Scott hits the ice with his new team, and he does wear a neck guard. Yeah, I, I wrote that down. That's and part I was of my... wondering, like, was that a last minute? No, October yeah, no, 20th. Way so... before, yeah. I mean, this was probably shot October 19th, though. The, the, yeah, that's true. But this movie was still ahead of its time. Yeah. Uh, Scott is the son of NHL legend, fictional NHL legend, Wayne Briggs, his uh, estranged father, who, when we see him on the news for being so good at hockey and getting into the hockey hall of fame this guy takes every opportunity to say i don't fucking care about my family well no that's not true he talks about his family a lot but every time he talks about his family he's referring to his teammates and the hockey family he's like my hockey family is the family i never had Mm -hmm. while the family that he does have is watching being like, what the fuck? Why you say fuck me for Scott's in his uh, cottage, which he's living uh, behind Ashley's family, her p- family. They, they, they got some They're of the loaded. biggest, biggest hockey fans in the country live in that house. Her parents, the yeah. whole family, the grandmother, everybody loves hockey, but he's watching the news in his in the little guest house. And they're like, we're here on the news with very irrelevant NHL legend, Wayne Briggs. Wayne, you're a hockey hall of famer. Your family must be proud. And he's like, shut up lady. When I hear family, I think about the foreign guys with the funny names that played on my team. Can't forget about that Czechoslovakian guy. And she's like, that's great, Wayne. This has been the news. And they cut back to Scott and he's like, my dad fucking hates me. So that stinks. He's trying to find his way in life. He wants to be an NHL player. He thinks that if this thing goes well in Idaho, he can get a call up to the ECHL. The only problem is nobody takes him seriously as a hockey player. The second he gets there, they're like, hey, you're an old guy. Have you thought about coaching? And he's like, well, I'd rather play. And they're like, cool, you should be a coach instead. Uh, there's a bunch of things throughout the movie that make you think maybe this guy is better served to be a coach. And all of them are that nobody on his team knows how to play hockey. It's crazy. There's a guy who can't take a wrist shot. There are five penalty shots a game in this. There's always a penalty shot. There's one guy who can't take a penalty shot. His struggle is every time he goes to take a penalty shot, he freaks out and the puck goes in the stands. Yeah, like he, he essentially has the yips. He he loves going high glass on on these penalty shots. Uh, it's the 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 instructional segments that we see from old Scotty Briggs here very cursory. Teaches this guy how to take a, a wrist shot that he probably learned when he was four years old. Mm-hmm. Uh, another guy he gives him a lesson on breathing. Yeah, he teaches him how to breathe. Yeah, and uh, that was a very important lesson that apparently. Qualifies him to be a coach. They're all outrageous. Like truly, he will be. He'll like go up to one of these players and be like, "Hey, professional hockey player who is one call away from the ECHL, the reason why your slap shot's no good is you haven't got any skates on." And he's <laughs> like, "Oh, whoa, thanks." <laughs> and then like they cut to the coach of the team, and he's like, 
I'll never be as good a coach as this guy. <laughs> he goes it's, up to him at one point. And he's like, here, here's my book, my coach book. You should be a coach instead. And it's just, and the guy's like, this is a leather thing that smells like farts. What is this? And he's like, it's my coach book. You know more than me, man. You're a better coach than me. It's even more outrageous because like earlier in the movie, they have a scene of them playing pond hockey, like pick up pond hockey. And old Scotty Briggs is out there with a bunch of like six to seven year olds. Mm -hmm. They all skate better than him. It is. It's stunning how bad this actor is at skating while playing a guy who has NHL aspirations. It's oh, tough to watch. So they sometimes. didn't do like the miracle thing where they taught a hockey player how to act. Oh, instead of they, this no, like an actor. no, 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 no. Oh, That's boy. also known as the Armageddon. Right. Where they taught uh, oil drillers to be astronauts instead of astronauts to drill holes, <laughs> which uh, Ben Affleck. I never thought about that. Oh, it's you, incredible. You got to see the uh, Armageddon DVD commentary, the which cut. Ben Affleck has to do. And Ben Affleck clearly uh, has had a bit of a time. It's maybe a little late in the day for Ben Affleck. And he wants all of his thoughts out there. And he's talking about, he was like, I would say to Gus Van Sant, like, wait, wouldn't it have made more sense for them to get astronauts? He'd be like, shut the just shut up, Ben. Read your lines. <laughs> it's the most amazing DVD commentary you'll ever hear. It's in your incredible. Life. Uh, but yeah, it, that that is quite bad. Not as bad as uh, the time Ashley's brother-in-law Dave has in this movie. Oh because my god, he exists solely to be the most unnecessary punching bag for fat shaming. I have that. They'll be like, God, we're just trying to watch hockey, and your husband's fat, <laughs> Ugh, Dave. I one of my notes is literally Uncle Dave is fat. That's just, that's the only thing that you know. No zero character development. Zero, you know, zero about this guy other than he's fat and he eats. There's a scene where they're at the hockey game and Dave comes back with concessions and the, the, Dave's wife is like, "Oh, good, you got us hot chocolate and nachos and all the food that they have here." And Dave's like, "Oh, sorry, did you want something?" <laughs> and there's not like a, he's just kidding or whatever. They're like, you see, Dave is a fat see the fucking pig that guy is. <laughs> and there's no redemption either. It's just, he remains a fat slob and they hate him. And, and like they, I'm not, he's not even that fat. I'm also like, I'm not mad at Dave. I'm mad at the people who made Dave because they just like, he doesn't do there, there isn't a purpose for there to be a mean, selfish, right. like, guy who part of his being selfish, the movie Bakes In, right. is that no, he's, he's not a foil or anything. Right. There's one scene where they're doing a competition. It's Scott against Dave. And to make you root for Scott more, Dave is cheating. But I'm like, hey... Look, like bodily, I can kind of identify with Dave a little bit here. I'm not cheating in these competitions. It was it, it uh, it's a very upsetting thing the way they are to to Dave. Uh, one of the interesting parts of this movie is that Scott talks about he loves hockey. Clearly, it's a big passion for him. But he talks or about is it, it? It seems like it is pleasing his dad is a big passion. That's for him. true. Uh, but it it seems like he's treating being a hockey player like being a working a nine to five job. And he keeps talking about, like, I just got to get out there on the practice rink and do my hours so I can get out of here. It's like just like practicing. He's trying to rush his way out of Idaho Falls. Practicing. I don't know how many more miles of, those legs got, dude. I I'd try to keep fresh. Right. And it's not like there any other team is going to be like, this guy practices a ton. We got to call him up. Hmm. So uh, I should note the whole time 
as all this is going on, uh, Ashley is the hottest person in the world. I think she is so beautiful. She's a, I think that she, this actress is a big time Hallmark star. Oh, well, she's lovely. And with time, I come around on him being lovely too. Initially, I was initially, I was like, and I love this about watching movies because I I can't remember where we said it. It was possibly on this show recently. I don't do the thing. Like when a movie starts being like, Whoa, who's that person? They're pretty or whatever. But I do like, as I get to know characters more, be like, Oh, I love him. (laughs) And, uh, Looks wise, he's like a poor man's Matt Bomer. Ah, yeah. Which, like, if you're a poor man's Matt Bomer, you are still very rich. Well, it's all to say they fall for each other. And who would have seen it coming? And Scott realizes, you know what? I'm learning. I'm quite the coach. I'm a really good coach. I helped this one defenseman uh, put tape on his legs. That he didn't know how to do that before. I'm, I think I'm a great coach. And he realizes the whole chasing the NHL dream thing is more about daddy issues. And he's been moving around and he hasn't had a place to call home. But this place where he's been with Ashley, who still lives in New York, but is thinking of moving back. And he thinks, you know what? I think I'm just going to stay here. And this is where I'm going to live from now on. That dude needs therapy so bad because he did have a good realization and he's writing a wrong in his life and he's kind of following his heart and everything. You don't always necessarily need to like blow up your situation and make such a crazy big massive commitment off of that realization. Like I I would think that the more logical thing would be to unpack that for a little bit and find out what your next course of action should be. Stay in touch with Ashley for sure visit her in new york and like i don't know like maybe he learns that new york is for him or right. another place i think that uh his problem is is that he always has all his eggs in one basket right he was like fully uh, fully committed to the hockey thing was letting that dominate his life and then as soon as he was done with that just right into the relationship basket and i would imagine that he was very smothering for the rest of this movie yeah <laughs> or, or which is funny for the continuation after this movie ends because for most of the movie ashley is laying it on pretty strong i would say more so than he is there would be a lot of like one-on-one situations they'd kind of be looking at each other there'd be a lull in the conversation and he would do the well i should get going sort of thing i think that he was trying to keep it professional and just be like a hey i'm living in your parents house we've all had this situation before uh, i'm just trying to go about this the right way but yeah. you can't fight love uh, i should note speaking of fighting there's no checking in this movie no checking not no even checking. once it's called checking it twice there's no checking and uh there are no saves in the no entire movie the, the hockey in this movie it's is terrible so terrible it's so bad i'd be remiss if i didn't mention this after his first game that they see, she's there with her family. Oh, I know what you're going to say. They're walking back to get their cards, and she says to him, hey, uh, you sucked out there tonight, my guy. And he's like, what are you talking about? I'm the hockeyest hockey guy in the whole world. I play hockey. They call me hockey. And she says, you had six shots on goal, and none of them went in. I wanted to be like, well, where are they from? He's generating chances. Yeah. Uh, and she says, you had a plus minus of, Ooh. and I was like, oh no, she's talking plus minus. This can't be worse. It can be because she says negative. Yep. She says you had a plus minus of negative three. And then follows it up with, that's the most important stat in hockey. 
And he's like, and when oh, she says, oh boy, don't says, get on hockey Twitter, lady. They're going to cook you. When she says uh, plus minus, he's like, whoa, you know, plus minus. And I was like, call that an advanced stat, motherfucker. I fucking dare you. Because that's where, like, that's where he's going down there. She cuts him off, but he's going down the road of like, whoa, you've been on natural stat trick recently. <laughs> or so, whoa, are you on left wing lock? How do you know that crazy advanced stat plus minus? And then she says plus minus isn't like goals where it could just be an individual thing. Plus minus says how the team does when you're out there. It's the most important stat in hockey. I was like, fuck you, Ashley. (laughs) (laughs) That is not the most important stat in hockey. And that sort of logic that the thing of like, it's, it shows how you impact your team thing. That sounds nice. And that's why people will hear that and be like, plus minus. We're going to have some Hallmark heads getting into hockey after this. And they're going straight to Twitter to argue with us. Yeah. The geniuses. And the negative three. (laughs) Kill me. Should have been like, hey, should we walk here? Or should we dash here with your plus minus? Shitty ass hockey player. Hooked him. That bothered me a lot. Another thing that bothered me a lot. This team cares about hockey so much. It's like basically the entire town's entire personality. And their uniforms suck ass. The Fighting Trout could have way cooler uniforms. They're so bad. Mm-hmm. So he, bad. Very bad. And uh, I, we haven't mentioned a lovely just cock of a character, <laughs> Ashley's dad. He's a huge Fighting Trout guy, so much so that he has their players live in his guest house. But he's got like sayings and colloquialisms based around how much he loves uh, Fighting Trout. There's a point where... They're like, oh, we got to do these group activities, which is basically like court-ordered community service. Yeah, they have right, to like yeah. go out and serve people tea for being like, thank you for supporting our team. Cider. Which, Cider, Cider I'm sorry. Which I don't hate that. But uh, they're like, do you think Scott will show up? And I, something like that. And he says, what do I always say? You can always count on a fighting trout. And I'm like, this is a sub-ECHL team. Yeah. Players cannot be there for more than four days at a time. You can't <laughs> right, count on them. Yeah. They're leaving. And they hate it there. And they're upset that they're there. <laughs> right. Poor, poor uh, Scotty Briggs. But he, loved this movie. Loved oh yeah. it. Big fan. Uh, this is a great genre for us. Like uh, we we love the the cheesy Hallmark crappy movies that are also wonderful. And we talked about like you know teaching a teaching an astronaut how to oil drill. Yeah. Versus teaching an oil driller how to be an astronaut. All that. Uh, this Hallmark movies are like teaching a hot person how to act instead of finding a, an actor who's also a hot person. I'm looking at this movie poster because I pulled up the Rotten Tomatoes and I don't know how the trout did, but the winning was done with this actor's smile. I mean, she's got <laughs> such a winning smile. It's fantastic. Uh, Kim Matula, Kevin McGarry plays Scott. Uh, Craig March is dad. I got a shout out. Who plays poor Dave? Uh, it's probably just listed in the credits as fat slob. Uh, I do have to shout out uh, poor man's bootleg uh, Bill Fickner as the coach. Yep. You notice that? Yep. He should be in it. He should be. Uh, he's a nice Canadian boy. Uh, yeah. I do what do you think it is on Rotten Tomatoes? Uh, 78. I saw it yesterday. Fuck you. <laughs> I should note, like any uh, intriguing movie, this is a sub 90 minuter. Love it. It's an hour and 24 minutes. Love it. Every t- Unless it's this Pop Star. The episode of What Chaos is longer than this movie. Hell yeah. Uh, you got anything else? Do you have any more questions, comments, concerns on this movie, Sean? 
No, I'll just, I mean, we learned yesterday from a commenter that this Idaho Falls based movie was shot in British Columbia. In Kelowna, yeah. right? Kelowna, yeah. Yeah, and somewhere else. I forgot the other place that they said, but yeah, both two cities in BC. Well, it's a great film. I hope that everybody continues to watch it because I'm going to watch it a couple more times. I, I've never smashed the no button on the do you want to delete it? After when you finish something on the DVR, it's like, you're all good with this, right? I pummeled the absolutely fucking not keep it, button. Yeah. yeah, I keep I yeah. kept it. December 8th, uh, catch it on the Hallmark channel. I do like the idea of uh, starting a film company that makes movies that essentially just pick up where Hallmark movies left off and then just becoming super dark. Oh, <laughs> good idea. That would be an incredible idea. It's just checking it twice, slew footing it. Checking <laughs> yes. it twice too. And it's just like cross checking it. It's it. not a cutesy movie. It just exposes all the all like the concerning trends that you saw in the Hallmark movie mm-hmm. and just really emphasize and key in on those. I think that's a wonderful idea. There is a mid credit scene in this movie that is the same as the mid credit scene in Saw Ten, where <laughs> they come back and it's that fucking asshole from the Hudson news. And she's like strung up and she's like, what's going on here? And like the two of them are there. It's like you switched up their debit cards. Who epic bad luck. You know, the saw 10 thing that happens with Hoffman at the end, like the, the, the mid credit scene is like, whatever ended up happening <laughs> to that asshole who fucked up the cards. <laughs> it's they cut her brakes and she dies. Par- Probably the way they talk about this poor lady. <laughs> All right, we'll be back tomorrow. Thanks, Scott Darling. Thanks, everybody. Bye 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 bye.